0: Amen.
1: a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America, Can We Talk? with Debbie Addis On America, Can We Talk? we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America,
2: Can We Talk? starts now. And good evening. Welcome. I'm Debbie Addis. Welcome to my show. I always in the first five try to hit some big subject for the week, and it's kind of killing me to say it. I want to talk about the Comey firing, even though I want to preface that by saying you would think it was the only thing that happened in the entire United States of America this week that President Trump exercised his authority and right to terminate the the director of the FBI. But the reason I want to talk about it is as an example of some things we talk about in the show a lot. One is I've been calling the media. I don't like this expression fake news because it's too soft. It's like a kid will fake out their friends. It's sabotage media, and I love that term. They are determined to sabotage this president and really to sabotage the conservatives in America on a whole host of issues. But on the subject of terminating Director Comey's employment, I will say just a basic thing first, which is, and I think most of you probably know this, but the decision was announced after the President Trump received a notice from his own Attorney General Jeff Sessions— who was basing his recommendation on terminating FBI Director Comey on a memo by Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General. So this Deputy Attorney General, Rodney Rosenstein, writes a memo, goes to Jeff Sessions, goes to Trump, and Trump decided to terminate Comey. And just to be really clear about what was in the memo, it's very lengthy. You can find it in live if you're interested in reading it. But the short story is they went back to the July 2016 um, press conference, which uh, FBI Director Comey called, and the, the guy writing this, as Rod Rosenstein, said, we do not hold press conferences to release derogatory information, which is really the whole premise of the press conference was unprecedented and inappropriate. But then he went on to say, once the press conference was held, in which you all I'm sure remember, Director Comey laid out, I mean, lawyer here, a prima facie case of violation of federal law against Hillary Clinton, and then said after he was all finished laying it out that she'd clearly broken the law. No, no confusion about that at all. He then said, but this shouldn't be prosecuted. So he he deigned himself, fact finder, jury and, and, and judge to sentence her and just basically signaled to the um, Department of Justice, don't worry, I got this. You don't have to prosecute her. That was inappropriate. Now, I know from listening to the media endlessly that the question then becomes, well, but what about timing? Why did Trump do it now? He should have done it, If it was so bad, why didn't he do it then? First, let me point out I'm going to run through a laundry list of Democrats, former attorneys general, former deputy attorneys general, who all have been, for months, been clamoring, clamoring for the president to fire. Comey as FBI director. This is like the people who've been cl- asking for it, and now that he finally did it, they're they're using it as a something to clobber Trump over the head with and say, my gosh, he's just terrible. It's awful. It has been a disaster. Folks, this is just, again, this is the sabotage media, the sabotage left, who think that somehow or another, since they lost the election, they were so sure they're going to win that they're going to remove President Trump from office. This is the agenda. Absolutely nothing less. This is what this whole— Thing is about. I have a lot of extremely important points I want to hit with you, but a few of them. Let me just run through this. That what the Democrats are trying to say is that the reason Trump wanted to get rid of Comey has to do with this whole Russian collusion thing, and that somehow Comey was probably getting close, and that was why they had to he had to let Comey go. First of all. Comey said in Washington, said in Congress, he's been investigating this alleged collusion, this non-story of Trump colluding with Russia since July of last year. OK, we're, we're coming up on a year. There's been zip, zero, nada, nothing. Everyone who's forced to answer under oath has to say, well, actually, there's no evidence of any kind of any wrongdoing, including Diane Feinstein had Senator, Democrat Senator Diane Feinstein, Senator Wolf Blitzer. Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia said it on Face the Nation, no evidence at all. Former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, no evidence at all. This is a farce investigation. And so, even though Trump was justified to let Comey go just because of his completely inappropriate behavior with re- respect to Hillary, he, you know, he and has this additional problem, which is this is an investigation that is being carried on. It appears for political reasons. He didn't need to have that as an extra fact. But I'm not troubled by the fact if Trump is saying, look. Either if you have something, bring it out or drop it. Because what's really happening is Trump is being forced to carry forth his presidency with a cloud over his head when there's nothing to it. No evidence at all. And I want to hit uh, several other points. We have a few um, seconds left here in this segment. But there have been constant allegations about, you know, that Trump had some uh, evil motive, some bad motive, sinister motive in doing this. It would not have matter when Trump announces if he did it the day he was inaugurated, if he did it a month ago, if he waited for whenever he did it. The Democrats and the media would pounce because this their their criticism is not about his decision or the substance of his decision. It's just an excuse to get after him. There have been numerous lies that the left has put out about this whole thing, and I want to put those to bed when we come back from the break. So don't go away. This is Debbie Georgiatis and America Comey Talk. And I'm gonna make sure you have your talking points ready on Trump's very right decision to let FBI director Comey go. Don't go away.
1: The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org.
2: On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility, when politicians propose solutions, to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Addis on America Can We Talk?
4: Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today.
0: Welcome back
2: to America can we talk I'm Debbie George Addison so glad you joined us tonight oh and I didn't say at the beginning happy Mother's Day okay at the end of the show I have a great three really great stories about Mother's Day and I love Mother's Day and I wish everyone out there a happy Mother's Day and um, just hope you're enjoying your family and enjoying the radio show at the same time okay so back to uh, director Comey of the FBI having been relieved of his responsibilities I want to mention a couple of things I think are just really important to keep in mind. The left is so wound up with the idea that they're somehow going to bring down President Trump over this. I mean, there were lies put out, and I want to correct a couple of them because they actually really matter. One of them was a numerous time repeated allegation by many of the punditry and punditry world saying that, Just days before he was fired, Comey had requested additional resources for the Russian counterintelligence investigation. This is the Trump investigation. Acting FBI director, the guy who's taking his place, Andrew McCabe, testified in the Senate. That was false. So they just—these stories, it would be very sinister— You know, or it gives the implication some really sneaky things going on. But that was a a completely false story out there in the media. Second false story was supposedly there was a threat um, made to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein to resign um, when he told when told his recommendation letter was to be the cover for Donald Trump to fire Comey. I mean, the whole it's just inane level stuff made up. um, And this is being denied by Justice Department, everybody else. The other thing I want to hit on in this uh, this story, because it's really bothersome, I have to tell you folks, serious things are happening in our country, serious things are happening in the world, and the media spent so much time in this story that I'm kind of feeling guilty of spending it myself, except I want to say... Trump had the right to let Comey go, and there were lots of good reasons to do that. When Trump came out and said something like, well, I was going to fire him anyway, and the left said, oh, you see, another lie. Here he said he terminated uh, Comey over this this, uh, letter from Rod Rosenstein, and now he's saying, never mind, I was going to do it anyway. That is not inconsistent. It is not. Most people in America wanted, or many serious people, conservatives and liberals, didn't like Comey, wanted him gone, for Trump to have formed that plan anyway during the campaign or after he was elected, but to wait till it seemed like a right time, an appropriate time, that's not inconsistent. It's just him saying, yeah, you know, I I figured that out anyway. It was very helpful to have Rod Rosenstein spell out in black and white in letters and, and words that everyone can read to explain part of the problem. But this whole effort is going to continue until, and this leads me to want to get to, until the Republicans in Washington get some backbone and say, "You know, we're not talking about this anymore." I think you know we've had all sorts of people saying, "Well, we can't even move forward with our agenda now. We're just frozen. We can't we can't approach the Obamacare repeal. We can't deal with the budget. We can't deal with anything. We can't deal with anything because we have to talk about this." That's what the GOP needs. Just stop talking about it. Stop agreeing. It's relevant. It's silly. Trump had the right to do it, and he did it, and and we are moving on. I will tell you, though, on the subject of letting um, Comey go, there there are some things I think are really uh, below the surface, almost more important reasons than good reasons. One is this. During the time that James Comey has been the head of the FBI—he became head in July of 2013— there have been numerous instances, and, and prior to his taking this uh, that role too, but numerous instances where the FBI really dropped the ball on investigating terrorism within America's borders, didn't follow through seriously, didn't investigate seriously, leading to the problem of various attacks in America that actually succeeded. And I was just, and I think it's, I know it's easy to say oh, that's Monday morning quarterbacking, and you know you can't blame him for every crime that occurred, which you can blame. And it's really important is the attitude in Washington that emerged under President Obama, which was a politically correct attitude to be very, very careful, never to accuse, falsely accused to have any kind of concerns about whether you were being unfair toward Muslims in America, leading us to fail to deal with serious threats. I'll mention, ooh, sorry about that, I'll mention just a few of them. The FBI, and this is a few months before Comey became the head, but he was still there. The Boston Marathon bombers—that was the Sarna brothers. This was April 2013, investigated and dropped. And then they did what they did at the Boston Marathon. You had the um, San Bernardino um, situation where the uh, w- the wife got into America and they ended up killing uh, all those people at a Christmas party that they were invited to. And the um, you know the it ensue, all that ensuing. But what I, the ones I really want to hit that matter a lot. Okay, 2016 the backpack bomber in New York City. Did you realize his own father turned him into the FBI? His father called the FBI and said, I'm worried about my son. He's become radical. I want you to look into him. The FBI interviewed him, cleared him, and he went on to do the backpack bombing in 2016. In June of 2016, the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, that horrible, just horrific attack, killing 49 people, wounding 53 more, a 10-month investigation into the killer... But no arrest. So the reason I raise these is there's a there's an attitude within the FBI, a um, just a sense that we just we kind of walk on eggshells. We're very careful and we have to really be very, very sure before we can move forward in any criminal way. And And with respect to people who are accused of being radical radical Islamists. To the point that we have allowed danger and and death in America, and I think the the need for a fresh look at at our national level and how we treat radical Islam, a fresh look at recognizing this is the number one threat to security in America, and we need to be on top of it. We need to have a tougher attitude toward a less politically correct attitude toward it. So we have not guest uh, in studio tonight, a guest who's joined us many times, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West is here. And we were talking about it on the break, and I just want to um, segue over to ask you about this. I think that there was a um, a story you're starting to mention relating to the a- attack right here in Texas, in Garland, Texas, May of 2015, where CBS reported uh, recently, that they the FBI was actually watching those two people, who fortunately for us were the ones killed in this incident. Mm-hmm. But you were adding some detail about I didn't know.
5: Yeah, it's good to be with you, and Happy uh, Mother's Day to you, Debbie, and everyone out there listening. Uh, you're absolutely right. The FBI knew about these two individuals out there in Arizona, and as a matter of fact, they followed them here to Garland, Texas, and so they were under surveillance by the FBI when uh, they drove up to the Curtis Caldwell Center. Here in Garland, Texas, and, of course, were engaged by the police officers there. So, you know, again, you had that incident. But another one that just recently came out was the case of FBI agent Daniela Green, who uh, actually departed, flew over to Syria, uh, gave classified information to uh, an ISIS uh, leader from Germany. He was uh, originally from Germany and then married the guy. And then came back and told the FBI, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And the only thing she was charged with was making a false uh, statement, you know, telling not telling them that she was going to Syria. So that happened two years ago. So guess what? She's already done her two-year prison term, and she's out. Uh, I don't even know if it was a misdemeanor. But the thing is, you know, why wasn't she charged with a felony? Why wasn't she charged with something a lot more serious, divulging classified information to the enemy, which is what this ISIS leader uh, is, uh, and so that also came under Comey's watch.
2: You know, actually, now that you're talking, I, we did talk about that a few weeks ago, and I it was just breathtaking, and also that she just didn't get a much more serious punishment. And this is yeah. this is what's the with the enemy? It's consorting with the enemy. It's it's uh, mm-hmm.
5: no, it's just, I mean, this is treason <laughs> if you want to put it that way. And and oh, by the way, when you talk about treason, I'm still wondering where's Bo Bergdahl. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, you and others. Okay, I want to hit one last point that's really yeah. important on this because we're going to finally get off Comey uh, for the rest of the show. But I want to hit one more point about this. The very brilliant Andrew McCarthy, who's been on the show with me a couple times, he's a great writer, a great thinker, and a former prosecutor. He was one who prosecuted The Blind Shake. He has two columns out making the point, and this is another talking point for all of you, making the point That even if Russia was right in the middle of our election, even if they were the ones hacking in and giving things WikiLeaks, it's not a crime. Hey, just ask President Obama as he got in the middle of Netanyahu's election in Israel.
5: Now, that should have been a crime because he used taxpayer funds to to fund his campaign operatives that were over there. Now, that is a crime. And the fact that he just recently did a video supporting uh, Emmanuel Macron in the uh, French election. So that is what I call influence and 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 uh, impact. Not to mention, you know, after my re-election I'll have more flexibility.
2: That, yes, we should never forget that one. The other one that Obama got involved in was Brexit, where he was sure. threatening them. Yes. You know, you're going to get be to the, the bottom back of the mark. bus. Yeah. So all this, by the way, is saying that there is no crime in America to be charged if Russia was indeed in the middle of trying to influence our election. That may be a scandal. Maybe something we say. Bad optics. You know, what's wrong with our system that yeah. we can't protect ourselves better?
5: Yeah, but did, did we ever see Vladimir Putin run a commercial ad? Did we ever see him do a video? Did he ever take out an advertisement in the Dallas Morning News? No. But all of those things are things that President Obama did and no one said a word.
2: No one said a word. Okay, you know, th- folks, I just want to. I, I thought Andrew McCarthy's, and I will say, I always post the next day on org and our Facebook page, America Can We Talk, links to everything we talk about. But Andrew McCarthy's making the point of it wasn't a crime for Russia to get involved, there is no conspiracy thing to be charged, even if Trump were involved, which there is no evidence he was. This is Debbie George S. and Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. When we come back. I want to talk about what's happening with Obamacare. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Can you? If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are tens of thousands of Heritage members and supporters in North Texas alone. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show and i rely on their analysis to get the facts out as a member you'll get updates on the fight for america from heritage president jim DeMint, plus exclusive invitations to conservative events right here in dallas or wherever you are in america so join the growing movement find out more at joinheritage.org that's joinheritage.org
4: if you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men That's IWF.org.
1: Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas for 27 years. The Texas public policy foundation has helped leaders in the lone star state prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all the Texas public policy foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise and personal responsibility, whether informed,
3: The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today.
2: Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm so happy we are joined in the studio this evening by Lieutenant Colonel Alan West and uh, frequent guest on the show and just love having him here. And uh, there are so many, he just is a fount of knowledge in many subjects. Uh-huh. And before we get to foreign policy, which I do want to get to, we'll talk about Obamacare for a minute.
5: No, that was a big thing from last week that kind of just got blown over. Yes, yeah. Do you want to go ahead? and? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, being the executive director over at the National Center for Policy Analysis, that's one of the big things that we look at is healthcare. care. And, of course, when you have this bombshell uh, report that Aetna is, you know, 2018, they're going to pull out of all the Obamacare exchanges. What I find just completely unconscionable is how... The Democrat Party is blaming the Republicans for the collapse of the thing that they pushed through back in 2010, 2009. But really, Debbie, what we have to come to understand is that Obamacare was meant to collapse. It's, it's a fait You know, I, I learned that from my wife. She's a real smart lady. But it was meant to be because they really want to go to a single-payer system. Uh, and And that's what you—the undertones you hear is that— you know we can't get the, we tried to do this public private partnership thing but those mean old insurance companies like Aetna, Humana, United Healthcare, uh let's see who's the other uh, Anthem and in Iowa Meta, Medica uh, Yep. They're, yes. they're all pulling out. They're all dropping. Well guess what? They're losing money because the entire proposition that they proposed was, you know, to have healthier people pay for the sicker people instead of focusing on that contingent, that that subcategory Is is not a viable course of uh, of action, and they had written in the Obamacare the uh, the risk corridor, which meant that the insurance companies would get a taxpayer funded bailout. Well, when they lost the House and they lost the Senate, the Republicans weren't going to do that bailout. So when I hear Nancy Pelosi bailing the Republicans, I mean blaming the Republicans for this, who is the party of the big insurance companies? You know, they they were the ones that set the insurance companies up to say that everyone has to buy this commodity. Everyone has to buy your product. But now that trap door that they were supposed to, uh, you know, even if they fell through, would they be covered? It's not happening. Exactly. And I'm
2: glad Lieutenant Colonel Allen West brought up a point. I want to be sure you would seen this story. There was actually a whole year ago Aetna made a pretty big announcement about they were withdrawing, withdrawing their insurance from Obamacare. Insurance exchanges. In 69% of the counties or 11 of 15 states, and this was a year ago, and year now ago. they're basically saying— We're we, out completely. We're out. And so you have a big insurer, and here in Texas, we've had they, we've had many insurers pull out. The point of all this being the major insurance companies, they're not pulling out of the Obamacare exchanges because they're mean or because they're selfish. It's because the math doesn't work. It doesn't. And, and if the math doesn't work, it's like I made an analogy to a friend of mine who just was complaining. The Insurance companies have so much money. They are selling a product like any other product. Insurance Mm -hmm. policy is a product. It's like if someone said to you, you have to sell your house, and all that guy can afford is $20. You have to sell it to him for $20. You'd say, I can't do that because the house is worth more than that.
5: Yeah, and you put yourself out of business. You're not competitive.
2: Yep. So here we are. And you I'm glad you made this point. I want to kind of say into the bigger picture, because it's very true that Obamacare was written to fail. It was designed mm-hmm. to fail because and people, many people in the left, including Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi have in the past expressed. I, they really wanted single payer, mm-hmm. which is socialized medicine. They want single payer. Mayor Reid said it. Yes. Yeah, many of them. And so here we are. The model they created uh, is failing as intended. Mm -hmm. The Republicans aren't about to bail it out with taxpayer dollars. So we're at this crossroads in America. We're watching Obamacare imploding. And where the bill now sits is the House tried to do a full repeal. They couldn't get it through. They have a a half-baked, messy repeal they passed. It's sitting over in the Senate.
5: Who says they're going to start from scratch.
2: Yeah. So I, what we need, in my opinion, is we need some leaders on the conservative side to say, "Look, this is bigger than can we keep the twenty-six-year-olds on your parents' insurance? Can we keep mm-hmm. the pre-existing condition people? Can we keep this? Can we stop this? It does need, in some ways, to be started from scratch with yeah. the idea: just remove the whole bill and then start start with the free market health care mm-hmm. with legislation at the federal level directed at people who cannot." afford their own care. And, and
5: there, there, therein lies the, the, the point. Obamacare, if you truly understand and define it very simply, it was about tax and welfare. Uh, it was massive tax increases, 20 new taxes, and it was an expansion of Medicaid because that's what the left believes, Medicaid for all. And that is a failing proposition. Medicaid is meant for those people at or below the poverty level. You do not want to say that our economy is so failing we're going to put everyone on Medicaid. Uh, And then you also have the the issue of those people with quote-unquote pre-existing conditions. So how do you take care of those people that are in uh, this little segment that they're above that poverty line, so they don't qualify for the Medicare, but yet they're below that point where they can really afford, you know, good quality health insurance? There are many different things you can do. You can use the health savings accounts and expand those. You can use tax credits where they can actually, you know, put on their, their tax form, you know, the the uh, the insurance that they had to pay for if they're not getting insurance through an employer. They're out there in the private market. And that solves that for that group of people. Then you look at what you want to do for the folks with pre-existing conditions. And and that is a different type of category where you can establish the risk pools and that takes care of that. You work with the insurance companies and define the risk pools so people are always covered. That's all that has to be done. All of these other things, you know, these taxes and the twenty-six-year-olds and and these other machinations, they make no sense whatsoever,
2: and they don't work as we are now discovering. So, you know, I, I mentioned the show before that Daniel Horowitz on Conservative Review has he had a long piece. I'm going to post it again of numerous free market things perfectly permissible and available. Some would require legislation, but there's no reason not to have that legislation that could meet many of the needs that we have in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. We have, you're mentioning pre-existing conditions, people who need help in some way paying for their health care. But the thing is, it, it, I, what I love about it and hate about it at the same time is it gets you to the root of the difference in people's political ideology in America. On the left, what they want to do is control everything. It is inherent in the leftist mindset.
5: That's the socialist mind. Yes. It's government control of everything. It's redistribution of wealth, nationalizing the production. You see that playing out in Venezuela. And I know, oh, by the way, another thing, when was the last time you saw Sean Penn and Oliver Stone and Harold <laughs> Belafonte and all these guys running down to Venezuela and talking about how great everything is now? They don't do that anymore. But what the left wants in the United States of America when it comes to health care is a VA system all over the country. Now, Picture I want you, that. Now think about it. You have, I mean, you don't hear the left getting upset about the VA medical system. The only person that passed without a single dissenting vote was the, the now the uh, VA uh, secretary, uh, Dr. David Shulkin. First of all, first person to be head of the VA, never served in the military. Second of all, he was head of the Veterans Health Administration under Obama. And now, all of a sudden, he is in charge of the entire VA system. And the fact that this gentleman went up and no one even paid attention to it, he had not a single vote against him in his confirmation, that tells you something about what the Democrats did. And that tells you something about him. He is not going to fix the VA whatsoever. It
2: tells you something about the Republicans. They are not. They are afraid to stand up for these really tough ideas. That the VA is a mess. This guy apparently yeah. is, his mindset is not going to fix it. But I don't know why the Republicans let that one go.
5: I actually, I don't know why Donald Trump nominated this guy to be the head of his VA. This is the guy that was head of the VA in the Obama administration when all these scandals were going on. Why would you put him in charge of the entire Veterans Administration system when he was screwing up the Veterans Health Administration? It's a very good question. I'm going to post
2: something I want to urge you to to read this. Um, it's called with the AHCA which is a new bill that House Republicans passed. Americans must choose between socialism and liberty. And this is the hard thing because it's so easy for the left to say we're so concerned about pre-existing conditions. We're concerned about the poor. Let us help. Let us emotional. take care. It's emotional and it is it, it, and for many people you think well gee, I am I do know so and so who's got a pre-existing condition and I want to make sure he or she has coverage. And the, and the messaging on the right requires intellectual comprehension. It requires laying out factual proposals, the things you just said, and, and we don't've got to
5: narrow it down.
2: Yeah, you gotta narrow it down, and you've got to be able I, I, to re inspire people to see this is a bigger question than just healthcare because it has that that dumbing down the American mentality mm-hmm. mindset where you just you're not that can do self reliant American spirit. You're you're more of look, that. Can you just take care of us, Debbie?
5: Last last year in January, I was diagnosed with sick sinus syndrome. That meant that my heart rate was incredibly low because the electro electro signal is supposed to go from the sinus node telling my heart to beat. Was not happening. I was getting down to a heart rate of 20 and it stopped actually in a 24 hour period six times for two to three seconds. I don't want to be in a, a healthcare system that says, hey, Colonel West, you're going to have to wait, you know, maybe a, a year for you to get your pacemaker implanted. I was diagnosed late January. I got my pacemaker put in March of last year. I feel great. But it was because we have a system that I am part of, I pay into, and I am incentivized to live a healthy lifestyle because of that.
2: Absolutely. Okay, we're down 10 seconds here in this segment. We come back. There's much more to say in the health care system, but while I have Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, I want to talk about what's happening in Iran, North Korea, with Abbas, the Palestinians. So many topics, so little time. Don't go away.
4: America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations, and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in healthcare, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition and the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's think tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and if necessary, legal protection from first Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans. In the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now.
0: And welcome back
2: to America Can We Talk. We're joined in studio tonight, if you're just tuning in, with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. So glad to have him here. And um, we can go a lot of directions, but I do want to turn to the international scene. As I was at the start of the show, all oh, we've heard the news for a week, you would think nothing happened in America except for Trump fired Comey, but actually a lot of big things happened. And I want to start with the fact that Mahmoud Abbas, who is the head of the Palestinian Authority, visited with Trump in Washington and that Donald Trump, I think it's this Friday he's leaving for his first international thing. Yeah. So Mahmoud Abbas is the head of the um, Palestinian Authority. And um, in a most summary way, I will just tell you that he actually wrote his doctoral thesis. I think it was in 1982 and published in 84, pretty much denying the Holocaust. So also big thing saying there were no gas chambers at Auschwitz. That was that was made up and saying essentially that, I mean, it, just crazy stuff. And, so, and, he, and he's ahead head of the Palestinian Authority that is just a, a, an endless thorn Israel's side. So we were talking on the break. Do you think that Trump should have met with him?
5: No, I, I would not have uh, because it's not the Palestinian Authority, it's Fatah, which is really a cleaned-up way of saying Palestinian Liber- Liberation Organization, which was the initial uh, Islamic terrorist group on the Yasser Arafat you know we need to see some things from uh Mr Abbas also known as Abu Mazen that shows that he is serious about recognizing the Jewish state of Israel and their existence we know that uh, the recent UNESCO vote that was about uh, not recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel the Palestinian authority was behind that so and and Abbas has been praising a lot of these uh, knife attacks that have been going on against the Jewish citizens and also the uh, the bus and car attacks. We know that they are funneling money to uh, the families of terrorists and, and naming schools and what have you. And so I would just say, you know, I'm not going to sit down and legitimize you and recognize you until you show that you are a serious leader. And, you know, a, a, a doctoral thesis like that, I mean, I would say you're not even you're an unhinged you're. You are a Holocaust denier, which I think is a lot worse than climate change denying. Yeah, uh, a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, and you're and you're trying to revise history. So, you know, we we can't be sitting around and giving a platform to people that should not have a platform.
2: I'm so glad you said that because I feel that way too. And I, you know, I don't know if I were president, you you know, you feel like you're supposed to try to bring the parties together. And honestly, since time began, it seems like since biblical times, we've been trying to struggle with challenges between the Jewish people and and others. But what happened when Trump was in uh, or in Washington when Mahmoud Abbas was here was Trump actually asked. He said, "If I can put together a triennial meeting, so Mahmoud Abbas, Netanyahu, and Trump," and, and it was announced that Trump saying that Abbas said, "Yeah, I would do that." And I just, I mean, I have a, I feel concerned about that because I feel like Donald Trump kind of thinks it's like the toughest deal ever or something, and the complexities and the, and the hatred of the of millennia between those mm-hmm. two peoples. I don't think it's going to be solved, and I'm not even sure it's wise to try until the Palestinians are more aware that America is going to strongly back Israel and that they have to come to the talk with a different attitude.
5: No, you're, you're absolutely right, and I think one of the things history teaches us, you've got to understand where the word Palestine came from in the first place. It has nothing to do with the Arab people. It has everything to do with the response of Roman Emperor Hadrian to the Simon Bar Kokhba revolt by the Jewish people when he declared that the region would no longer be called Judea, it would be called Palestina. And the root word of Palestina is Philistia, and that is based upon ancient Philistines who were Greeks. Uh, so this has nothing to do with this, this region and this name now, this term has been hijacked by these nomadic Arabs who rejected the original two-state solution of Israel and Jordan. Okay, so I think that we need to have that recognition of history and recognition of what the United Nations had first declared back post-World War II, and we need to go from there. And, uh, and everyone needs to come to the table and say, there is a Jewish state of Israel, and it has a right to exist.
2: Amen to that. I could not agree more. i want to throw in something else I was just reading about. So Caroline Glick, who's just a Mm, brilliant writer, and I I did my—it was so blessed to be able to do my show from Israel in February, and she came on the show with me. She has a piece out talking about just recent polling within the Palestinians, recent polling, things like um, a mere 23 percent of Palestinians said they were certain Israel will continue to exist 25 years from now. 44 percent said no. Mm -hmm. I mean— I, I can't read you the whole, it gets boring, but she hit poll after poll after poll, pulled together by someone at the Shalem College. Essentially, he said, every poll will tell you the Palestinians do not agree Israel gets to exist. So you're negotiating with someone who thinks they should be able to destroy you yeah. and feels right saying that. And so it, it's, it's an inane notion to think yeah. somehow you're going to be the toughest negotiator and, and
5: fix it all. And, and I think that President Trump needs to realize it, it may have been a great book dealing with uh, businesses, you know, the art of the deal but he probably should read Sun Tzu's The Art of War.
2: You know what? I love it. <laughs> That's such a good point. Okay, because we only have six and a half or seven minutes, I guess. Okay, I want to turn in your attention uh, on foreign policy to Iran. And you probably are aware that we, we, we had the Iranian deal, so we solved all problems with Iran. You remember that? But, yeah, right. But we did have testimony just this week by the uh, Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coats, Testifying to Congress, saying essentially that Iran is refining its nuke delivery system. They are refining their intercontinental ballistic missiles mm-hmm. and essentially saying um, the Islamic Republic would choose ballistic missiles as his preferred method of delivering nuclear weapons. He's trying to raise Congress's awareness that we are facing an Iran who, in fact, the nuclear deal that Obama struck with them, it, it carved out ICBMs. They weren't even part of it. Right. Well,
5: the the thing is they Iran is not supposed to be launching and testing any type of ballistic missile for I believe eight to ten years. Uh and then you have conventional weapon systems that they're not supposed to be dealing with uh in the near term, I think three to five years. But this is the bottom line. There is a collusion. You won't talk about real collusion. There's a collusion between Iran and North Korea. You know, people tend to forget that I believe it was back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight that the Israelis bombed a Syrian nuclear facility mm-hmm. that was very similar to the North Korean nuclear facility in Yongbyon. And, and and we know that the North Koreans were there working in Syria. Now, who do you have in Syria now? You have the Iranians, the Khuz Force, you have Hezbollah, you have the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Forces uh, working there. So what we're seeing is transitioning from the, the point about Netanyahu and Israel. They have a threat, a very serious threat that is there to their north with Iran being within spitting distance, developing the ballistic missile capability. Uh, they have already bought the you know, incredibly uh, uh, vicious S-300 surface-to-air missile system from the, uh, from the Russians, and they are putting those at their nuclear facilities in Iran. And who's to say that they won't put those in, in Syria as well? And so the window is closing. For the world to be able to do something against this, and Debbie, if you, if, if you know, George Santayana said, "Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it." There are so many similarities to 1930s that are happening right now, so many.
2: We have been on this topic before. I'd love to jump off on it again, actually. We haven't talked about that in a while. But I will say what Dan Coats, which is the director of national intelligence, was trying to say in Congress in his testimony this week is that observing what Iran is doing, they are developing, they claim, only for the purpose of nuclear energy and technology goals, what they're pursuing gives them the capability to build Mm missile-deliverable nuclear weapons if it chooses to do so. So... Iran, the single largest terror exporting country in the world, yep. um, is preparing this. This is after the, you know, ridiculous treaty that Obama negotiated with mm-hmm. them, whenever that was, 2014, I don't know about yes. yeah. Um and, and, and we're looking at a dangerous world with Iran. And then you're you're alluding to the similarities in 1930. So, yeah, we, have, we saw it for four minutes. Go ahead.
5: Well, it, you, when you look and see how everyone saw what Adolf Hitler was doing in Germany, But they thought they could compromise, they could appease, they could negotiate with him. You know, the Munich Accords, which Chamberlain signed with Hitler, which ended up being, as Hitler said, nothing but a piece of paper. Uh, And we saw all the encroachment into the Rhineland, into the Sudetenland, into Austria. And we continued to try to compromise, appease, and negotiate until it was, you know, pretty much so over. And I think that's exactly where we are today. The fact that you had the new South Korean uh, president that was uh, just recently elected, Moon Jae-in, and he said that he is going to look for more, you know, open uh, you know, discussion and negotiation. Well, we just had this past weekend North Korea pop off another ballistic missile that landed, you know, within 60, uh, 60 miles of the, the Russian mainland. So we are seeing all of these belligerent actions, but yet we're not doing anything about it. And remember this, in the national security strategy of Iran about uh, two years ago, they specifically mentioned electromagnetic pulse as something that they could use against the United States. So all you have to do is get that technology on a ballistic missile and fire it off in the atmosphere. And finally we're starting to get people to talk about that up on Capitol Hill.
2: Yeah, I think actually as a slight segue right here in Texas, I believe it finally passed the Senate for the first time to get protection for the Texas grid, which almost all of Texas is under one grid. Yeah,
5: we're a solo grid system. We're not on the East Coast or West Coast. and so. You know, when you think about all the economic activity, you think about the fact you got the world's largest military installation right here in Texas at Fort Hood. Uh, you know, look at the defense contractors that are here in Fort Worth. This is a very important thing for us to have.
2: You know that those parallels in 1930s. I know people hear things like that and they think, "Well, come on." You know, the world learned a lesson. We don't want World War. You know, we just the world will never learn that lesson. There's always the need for those who are read astu- Machiavelli's The Prince. Yeah, there is. Was- Astute students of history, like Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and people who just are willing to look at the world with their eyes open—not just be have a kind of a Pollyanna—well, I don't think they want to do that. Not kumbaya. No kumbaya. No, yeah. Okay, so now we only have a minute left, but I want to ask about North Korea. So, yeah, they fired a missile. That was either this morning or last night. Uh, that landed Saturday,
5: in, late Saturday night, early. Yeah, Sunday morning for us. Uh-huh.
2: Okay, so. What if you're Trump and you are advising him, what do you do about North Korea? I mean, get China involved a little bit, but what, what are you going to do about
5: him? Well, you know, if China were involved, they would not be firing off these ballistic missiles. But China is still building, you know, military islands and what have you. So I don't think China's doing anything. What we need to be doing is sitting down, talking with the South Korean uh, president. We need to have that FAD system that's in place. Yep. And I think eventually uh, one of these missiles is going to have to be shot down.
2: Oh, let us hope. I did want to ask you what you thought about the friendly gesture from the new, new South Korean president. I'm not sure I'm, or his name. You just said it. but Yeah,
5: Moon Jae-in.
2: Yeah, we have 40 In. seconds here. But is that a bad sign that he's wanting to collaborate with the North or talk to the North a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it's
5: a bad sign because, once again, you're giving this guy the moral high ground. Remember that under Kim Jong-un, they have fired artillery onto South Korean islands. They have sunk a uh, South Korean naval vessel, killing sailors. So this is a contentious uh, situation. This guy's a psychopath.
2: Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, just love having you. Thank you so much. My
5: pleasure. Happy Mother's Day.
2: Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Everybody listening, and we come back from our break. I'm going to do my own cruise to the news. I don't have a, my round table do my own cruise to the news. And then I have a snowflake on college campus update. Don't go away.